0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. So good to see you today. So glad you're here, whether you're here in Auditorium 1 or joining us over in Auditorium 2. Thanks for being with us also wanna welcome those of you that might be joining us online every week. We're just hearing more and more people that are joining us. And so thanks to those of you that are here in the Toledo area, maybe those of you that are watching in Chicago or Columbus or all kinds of points beyond that we have uh, interacted with. So glad that you are here. Maybe you're watching by way of television or the podcast. We're thankful that you're here as well. In fact, can we just take a moment and welcome everybody that's joining us today all over the place. So glad that you are here. A couple of weeks ago, we started a brand new series that we are calling A New Season. And uh, this series gives us an opportunity to consider how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and how we are searching for him to do more and more in our lives, right? And uh, asking for him to do those things. And one of the things we realize, and this is kind of gonna be the premise that we're gonna hit over and over again through this series, is that new seasons emerge from fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit that if you're looking for some kind of a new season, if you're looking for something fresh, if you need something new or more from the Holy Spirit in your life, these new seasons emerge when we have a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we've been working through this. Two weeks ago when we started, we talked about how the Holy Spirit brings courage for our calling in our lives and helps us in those ways. We memorized together Joshua chapter 1, verse nine that tells us to be strong and courageous. Last week, we talked about how the Spirit brings to us wisdom for leadership and helps us in those moments when we need his strength and his help. We memorized together the, the passage in James chapter 1, verse five that says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Did anybody take him up on that this week? Right And he brings that wisdom to us. Each week we've kind of been building on a prayer together that, that as, the, as the week show, uh, we'll, we'll kind of put this prayer out there and how we can use it in our own lives and our relationship with the Holy Spirit. But here's what we're going to pray for today. Heavenly Father, in this new season, may your holy Spirit bring to me eyes for expansion. We're gonna pray that he brings to us eyes for expansion. What what do you mean by that? Well, I really do believe that God is always at the work of moving his work, his people, his kingdom, if you will, forward to do the things that he's called us to do. But if we aren't seeing it, if our eyes aren't open to it, we're gonna miss it. And what we need is God to open our eyes and help us to see the things that he wants to do in our lives, in, in your life, in my life, through our lives, through his church, that he would give to us what we're gonna call here, eyes for expansion. Now look, I'm gonna guess that for most of us, our desire is that what God wants to do in our lives, how he wants to work through us, we want him to do that. Just a a general statement, we wanna be used by God. Anybody? Anybody help me, I just, I need to know that at least the majority of us are with me. Is that all right? Okay, all right, good, good. That was a weak vote, but we'll go with it, all right? And so, um, like like we wanna be used by God, but what does that look like? We're gonna look in Acts chapter eight in particular at the life of a guy named Philip, and we're gonna look and see how God worked and moved in his life. Now look, Philip is not a main character in the book of Acts. In fact, he he only gets mentioned in a few chapters but he is a key character in this book. And what God does through his life actually sets a stage for a lot of what happens throughout the book of Acts. Philip's an interesting dude, and his his story is a special one because he's just a guy from the church. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles. He wasn't some kind of superstar. He's just a guy from the church that said, God, if you'll use me, I'll be available. Holy Spirit, if you'll work through me, I'll let you do what you want to do in my life. And oftentimes when we talk about being used by God or God doing something with our lives, I think we think we have to be some kind of spiritual rock star or we have to have some kind of title or we have to have these incredible gifts. And I love this story because Philip is a guy from the church who said, God, if you'll use me, I'll be used by you. So the question is, are you willing to be used by God? So here's what we're gonna look at. We're gonna roll through Acts chapter eight. We're gonna look at Philip's story. And what I wanna show you is how to be used by God in eight simple steps. Sounds like clickbait, doesn't it? There's a little quiz you take at the end and you get something to post online. No, it's not like that. But what we're gonna do is how to be used by God in eight simple steps. And some of you went eight. I have a lunch appointment. We'll get through it, all right? Stick with me, stick with me. Step one, number one, put your faith in Jesus. Told you it was simple, didn't I? <laughs> the first step that we see in Philip's life is he just simply put his faith in Jesus. He became a believer in Jesus. He became active in his local church. He started to live out his faith. Now we don't know exactly when Philip became a believer. It might've been at the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. It could have been when the healing happened at the temple in Acts chapter three. Like we, we don't know his like spiritual pedigree, but we know some point he found himself as a believer in Jesus. We know that he found himself active in the church so that if you remember last week, we talked about the issue with the widows in the church in Jerusalem. Everybody remember that? They had to have a feeding program to help to take care of those who who did not have the resources for themselves. And they had to pick seven people in the church who could come and help with that program. Well, here's the passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. Well, one of those seven people was Philip. He was one of those guys. Why'd they pick him? Well, they knew him. They knew that he had put his trust in Jesus. They knew that he loved the Lord. They saw the fruit in his life, right? Isn't the line there that, that these people were known to be, people who were filled with the spirit and wisdom? And when they saw him living out his life for Jesus, it put him in a place where God could use him. Here's reality. When you live for Jesus, Jesus can use your life. When you're willing to say, Jesus, I'm gonna live my life for you. I'm gonna have eyes to see what you wanna do. I'm gonna put my faith in you. When you live in that way, then he can use your life. That's where it starts. The story is that he was known to be, he had a reputation to be someone who trusted in Jesus. It's not enough just to believe. The question is, are you living it out in your life? Probably before we get to step number two, it's a question we have to come to terms with. Some of us need to ask, do I just believe in Jesus? Or can people see Jesus in me? Like when they look at my life, can they tell I've put my trust in him? Am I known to be? That This is where the spirit at work in our lives, kind of this new season that we might need, is so important. Because if the spirit's at work in your life, you're gonna be more like Jesus. And that's gonna show up in your actions, It's gonna show up in your words. It's gonna show up in how we treat others, how we deal with surprises and disappointment, what we do when conflict comes our way, the the way that we talk to our kids, the way we interact with our coworkers, the way we love our enemies, the way we care for those in need. And if the Spirit is at work in our lives, if we truly are living for Jesus, then it's gonna show up in those everyday places. So this may sound super simple, but it's actually a pretty big deal The first step, if you want to be used by Jesus, is to put your faith in Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's step one. I told you this would be simple. Let's get to step two. Step number two, keep putting your faith in Jesus. (laughs) All right? (laughs) What do you mean? Well, because you do it once doesn't mean it's done. Can I get an amen, right? Like, it's a process. This is what you're going to see in Philip's life. Because in Acts chapter six, it's a pretty good day for Philip because they say, there's a problem in the church. Let's pick some folks to help. And because he's been living for Jesus, he gets picked. It's nice to get picked, isn't it? And he's like, this is cool. So it's a good thing the church is moving forward, but there's a lot that happens between Acts chapter six and Acts chapter eight. Because what happens is one of the other guys that got picked to help deal with the issue with the widows was a guy named Stephen. And when we read Acts chapter seven, Stephen becomes the first person that we read about in the book of Acts to lose his life for his faith. We use the word he's the first martyr. So now things are very different because now persecution has gotten real personal for Philip. It's gotten real personal for the church in Jerusalem because one of their key leaders, a guy from the church who's their friend, just lost his life for his faith. And it impacts the church in such a way that they don't just put their faith in Jesus, they have to keep putting their faith in Jesus. Does that make sense? Acts chapter eight, verse four. We read this about what happens to the disciples: that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So, so you read that and you go, "What does that mean?" Those who have been scattered. Well, because of what happened with the persecution and the death of Stephen, now everybody but the apostles is gonna take off. Acts chapter 8, verse one, we read this, that on that day, the day of Stephen's death, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So when the persecution hits, everybody but kind of that first 12, they, they stay at headquarters in Jerusalem but other folks are like, we, we gotta get out of here. Like when they're scattered, they're literally running for their lives. The persecution is coming. It knocked on Stephen's door, and whose door is it gonna knock on next? And so now they have to take off, and they go all throughout Judea and Samaria. They're moving to all these different places. How does this affect the star of our show, Philip? Acts chapter eight, verse five says that Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So he leaves Jerusalem, we don't know much about him, wife, kids, family, we, we don't know. We just know he packed up, took off, ran for his life, and finds himself in a whole different place in Samaria where he's proclaiming the Messiah. Now you can just read that, but there's some things you gotta keep in mind that Philip not only put his trust in Jesus, but he kept putting his trust in Jesus, even when the difficult times came. Does that make sense? Like to keep trusting in him, what does that tell us? Well, I think it tells us to stay faithful in the tough times, because tough times are gonna come. And when they do, that's when it really shows, do you trust in Jesus or not? That's when your faith makes all the difference. Philip is scattered, he is running for his life, and yet he continues to tell people about the Messiah. He continues to preach the good news. I'd like to think I'd do that, but I'm not 100% sure. Like he enters into the the Christian Witness Protection Program, right, you've heard of that? He takes off to Samaria. If I'm him, I'm changing my name and like opening a laundromat and just hiding out, right, kind of thing. But what does he do? He does the very thing that got him in trouble in the first place because he can't stop putting his faith in Jesus. And he keeps living through that Even though he is in these tough times, the very thing that should have stopped him actually propels him further. The persecution that the enemy meant to keep the church from moving forward was actually the thing that spread the church out. I'm gonna ask you to take a bold step of faith with me and believe that there's a time coming when your lawn won't be covered in snow. Can I get an amen? You're gonna see green grass. Somebody say glory. And then those beautiful yellow flowers are gonna come up. Anybody love dandelions? <laughs> eh, sign of spring, but some of you are like, they are my mortal enemy, like you hate them. And I grew up kinda of out in the country, and as a kid, it was great to go and take those dandelions and when the yellow leaves came off and you had all the seeds on them, right? And what do you do with them? Right, so you're like, you make a wish. No, you're just making the things go all over, right? And some of you are like, if you saw kids out in your yard doing that, you'd chase them off. (laughs) Except did you notice that when the wind blows and literally destroys that flower is when the flower goes out and reproduces and it comes back stronger and more dangerous to your yard than it used to be. (laughs) And the very thing that was supposed to stop the church in the tough times was the very thing that caused the church to thrive and prosper throughout the region. So when you trust in Jesus and then a tough time comes, you keep trusting in Jesus. You stay faithful in the tough times. You stay faithful in the tough places. Did you see where Philip ended up? Samaria. If you were with us a few weeks ago when we talked about Jesus, when he met the woman at the well, do you remember where she was from? (laughs) And her own words were, Samaritans and Jews do not get along. Like you realize when he packed up and went to Samaria, that's like a Buckeye moving to Ann Arbor, right? You know that, right? It's just bad news. You don't want to do that. Because you just went into, it's a joke, okay? Wolverines, relax. Some of you are like, I don't like him. And it's all right, it's fine. But like, you end up in these tough places. He wasn't welcomed there. And yet God put him there to keep putting his faith in Jesus. You stay faithful in tough times, you stay faithful in tough places, and you stay faithful with tough people. Because he's having to go tell this story to people who've already decided they don't like him. And it's a message they probably don't wanna hear. And yet God has put him in this place. Why stress this? Because it can be easy in tough seasons to stop trusting in Jesus. It can be easy in tough seasons to try to put your faith in yourself or in the things you can figure out or the things you can hold on to. And I don't want you to miss that sometimes, sometimes it's the tough seasons that are the very thing that God uses to accomplish his purpose for your life. Sometimes it's the tough seasons that work out for God's glory and your blessing. So let's, let's, uh, let's pull off on our little road trip in Acts. Let's go back to the life of Jesus. Mark chapter 1. I want to show you something here real quick. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It's right at the beginning of, of the story that Mark tells us about Jesus. And he says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you, I am well pleased. Isn't that an awesome moment? Tell me you're not putting that on Instagram, right? Like the spirit comes down, you hear the voice of God, you've got all the members of the Trinity here. God says, I love you and I'm pleased with you. The spirit himself was there in a physical form. You don't get much more of a spiritual high than that, do you? I mean, it's a powerful moment. And if you're Jesus, you're like, yes, that's awesome. It ends with God saying, I am well pleased. That's verse 11. Read verse 12. At once, the spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. And I read that recently, and it really bothered me. Because I'm like, how does that make any sense? Because the spirit descends, God says I love you and I'm pleased with you, and in the very next verse, it says at once, the spirit forced him in the wilderness for 40 days. If you know the story, where did Jesus eat for those 40 days? Nowhere, he fasted for 40 days. Some of you think of that, you're already going, I want lunch now. He fasted, There's no five guys in the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days, hanging out with the devil, and there's wild animals, it doesn't make sense to me. God, how can you say, I'm pleased with my son, now go starve and hang out with my mortal enemy in the wilderness for 40 days? How can the spirit descend in a spiritual high and immediately go, now go face your worst nightmare? And it bothered me, because it's like, God, those two don't seem to go together. When I, when I was in the sixth grade, my teacher was Mrs. Sisko. And uh, I look back now and I go like, like, you know how like, some of you might know this, but like, I think I kind of had like a little elementary school crush on her. Do you know what I mean? It's like one of those, like, I, I don't know. I just, I loved being in her class and, and she was so kind and nice and all this kind of thing and pretty, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know? And, and so that was my teacher. And then I remember the day that she said, hey guys, Next year, everything's gonna change. I think I've shared this before. I grew up in this little community called Southington, Ohio. So the same door I walked in for kindergarten is the same door I walked out of when I graduated from high school. Oh it's like, it wasn't a one-year, it wasn't a one-room schoolhouse. Like, it's not like that. But it was just kind of this tiny little school. But we had like the different wings in the building. And I remember she said one day, now guys, next year, you're gonna go to junior high and everything's gonna be different. I remember we took a little tour and we walked down through there and this older part of the building had these wooden floors that creaked when you walked and you weren't sure they weren't going to fall through kind of thing. And you would go to room after room after room and Mrs. Cisco wasn't going to be in those rooms. They were going to be different teachers, mean teachers who hated children, right? (laughs) They were going to give you lots of homework. And I remember thinking, can I just, can I just stay here with you? Can I just be in sixth grade forever? Because I don't want to go down there. But if I didn't go down there, I'd still be in sixth grade. That'd be weird, anybody? Right? That would be weird for her, that'd be weird for me, that'd be weird for the kids that are there, right? Because at some point, I had to go from where I was comfortable into something new, or I wasn't going to move forward. And then when I was done with junior high, I went to high school and it was even a bigger stretch. And I couldn't have imagined what college was going to be like. But at each one of those levels, it was what was necessary to get me to the next grade. Does that make sense? In God's school, you can expect the coursework may get tougher when you advance a grade. And if you're going to be willing to be used by God, if you're going to grow in your faith, if you're not just going to be stagnant in Christianity, you cannot expect that life is always going to be the same. When Jesus hit that point from his baptism and then ended up in the wilderness, he, he was going from sixth grade to junior high. Like he had to take that next step and it wasn't going to be easy. But if he didn't go through that process, he wouldn't be ready for what God wanted to do next. Does that make sense? Philip was in a great spot in Jerusalem, but then at some point he had to go to Samaria and move forward, and it sounds painful and it sounds difficult, but if he didn't do it, the dandelion's not gonna spread. Does that make sense? And there's going to be moments in your life when you're gonna hit these difficult times and you're gonna say, God, I want more from you, and then it's gonna be tough. And you gotta remember, if you wanna play in the majors, it's gonna be different than the minors, the pitches are gonna come faster and they're probably gonna curve sometimes. And when they do, you've gotta be willing to say, God, I don't just put my faith in you. I keep putting my faith in you. And we may have to have moments where we may have to take our eyes off of ourselves so we can see that God's doing something bigger in and through our lives, that there's something he's working out that we can't understand. Because some things that come our way are meant not to build our kingdom, but to build God's kingdom. To do what he wants to do. And God's idea of blessing might not be the same as ours. And in those moments, we have to trust him. Which takes us to the third thing. Step number three, as we're, we're going through this, right? So you put your faith in Jesus, then you keep putting your faith in Jesus. Step number three, that you trust God to do his work through you. So Philip gets to Samaria, he's preaching, and he trusts that God is going to do something special. This is what happens. Acts chapter 8, verse 6. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? So much so that in Samaria, in this place where these people were opposed to anything Jewish that might come, we read this in Acts chapter eight, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Did you see what happened? Philip was just faithful where he was, in that tough place, in that tough time, with those tough people, and God sent his Holy Spirit to work through him and do something special. That wasn't Philip's job. (laughs) That was the Holy Spirit's job. And the Holy Spirit will do the same thing through you, because you look at that family member who seems far too distant for you to reach, or you look at that situation that seems to have no answer, Or you look at this moment where you say, I don't know how I can ever do this. And God wants you to know you won't, you don't. It's him who works through us, is it not? It's when his spirit is at work in us. God does God's work through God's people by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And when we realize that it's him at work through us, like our job is just to be available. Our job is just to put our faith in him. Our job literally is just to show up and do what he called us to do. And then trust that the Holy Spirit will be at work through you. He's gonna put you in the right place at the right time. And we trust him that when he does, his spirit will show up. So, So what do we see here? Well, we see step one, you put your faith in Jesus. Step two, you keep putting your faith in Jesus, right? Step three, you trust that the Holy Spirit will do his work. And then let's move to step number four, continue to keep putting your faith in Jesus. Because sometimes, it's not enough to just keep, you gotta continue. This is exactly what Philip finds in this story. Because if you read it, because some of you are like, Chad, you already said that. (laughs) That was step one and step two. Why is it step four? Because I gave you a break at step three, that's why. (laughs) Right, why? Well, because if you read Philip's story, right, he goes from Jerusalem to Samaria, but if you read Acts 8, I hope you will, what you'll find is that after Philip preaches the gospel, there's literally this revival that takes place. We'll, we'll probably come back to this later in this series when we talk more about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And there's this there's this incredible move of God that happens, and these people are saved, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's these powerful things happening in Samaria, and Philip is watching the fruit of this revival and what's happening in this city, all because he was faithful to trust Jesus and do what God had called him to do, And in the midst of that, what happens next is this. Acts chapter eight, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandike, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. (laughs) Did you see that the the angel says to Philip, God wants you to go down the desert road. Now some of you in the middle of February, if God told you to go to a desert road, would you go? (laughs) Some of you are watching from Arizona right now. You went actually, right? That's not what Philip really wanted to do though, I'm guessing, because he's in Samaria, there's a revival, this is cool, this is awesome. God is working and the angel speaks to Philip and says to him, Philip, leave the revival and go to the desert leave what you're doing now and go do something different that actually doesn't make any sense. It's a place I probably wouldn't normally expect you to go. But Philip, this is what I want you to do. And the reason I say that you don't just put your faith in Jesus and keep putting your faith in Jesus, but that you continue to put your faith in Jesus because life comes with twists and turns, does it not? And when it does, be faithful to do what God has for you to do. When he puts it there in front of you, even if you never saw the desert road coming, be faithful to do what God has for you to do. The question you have to ask is this, will you be willing to trust God when he asks you to do something for him? And you say, well, Chad, how, how, how do I know? Like, how do I know what he wants? Well, that's, that's why we're working through these steps, right? So step four is that you continue to keep putting your faith in Jesus, which takes us to step five, that you obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. That when the Spirit speaks to you about things, when the Spirit moves in your heart and in your life, that you obey the leading of the Spirit as he's at work in you. This is what Philip has to do, right? So he he goes down this desert road. As he's going, he sees this guy who's called the Ethiopian eunuch. He works for the Candace. Some Bible versions will say that her name was Candace. But actually, the translation of that was the title of the queen. If you were the queen of Ethiopia, you were called the Kandike. This guy is one of her uh, esteemed leaders. He serves her. And you gotta imagine, he's going hundreds of miles from Ethiopia, up to Jerusalem because he's on a pilgrimage. He wants to know more about the God of Israel. He wants to know more about the Jewish religion. He's trying to figure this all out. So he goes there to worship. He probably didn't go by himself. It wasn't just him in a chariot. He probably had a military group that was with him for his protection. He probably had servants who were there to care for him. This guy was a big deal and he's traveling and it tells us this in verse 28 of Acts chapter eight, that on his way home, this this guy was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. That line there, the, the, the Spirit told Philip. Somehow Philip knew that the Spirit was saying to him, hey, Phil, you're in the right place at the right time, so see that chariot? Go over there and get close when the spirit speaks to us, if we truly wanna be used by God, we've gotta hear his voice and then do what he says. So you ask the question, How does the Spirit lead us then? If I want to be led by the Spirit, if I want to have eyes for expansion to see what God's going to do, if I I want to hear his voice, how does the Spirit lead us? We've, We've talked about this several times in the last few weeks, but I feel like God wants us to come back to this. One way the Holy Spirit leads us is the Holy Spirit leads us by his word. God has given us his word. And so that when we read it, when we hear it, We literally know that what we hear, what we read, is coming from God himself, so we let God's word speak to us. We'll we'll, we'll hit this in a few weeks, but when we talk about the armor of God, it says that the word of God is called the sword of the spirit. So one of the main ways that the spirit speaks to us and then works through us is by his word. And you're like, well, I I don't understand the Bible, or I don't know what to read, I don't know where to start. Even if you just find a way to start with one verse a day, some way that on a regular basis, you're, you're saying, I give God's word a place of prominence in my life. With that, he begins to, to work. You, you know, there's certain things in our lives that there's times when they need to be recalibrated, right? You have to worry about the alignment on your car. Or if you're dealing with special machinery, you've got to make sure that it's just right. We've got some doors in our house that they open fine in the the. the the, the, the winter, but then they change in the summer, and they stick, do you know what I mean? Because the alignment goes off at different seasons and in different times. And sometimes what I need is a change of alignment in my heart, and there's times in my life when if I'll watch, I'll see things happening in my life that are like an alarm going off and telling me, I need to pay attention to those things. Yesterday morning, I had to, something I had to do, and I just didn't want to forget So I set an alarm on my phone to go off at 9 a.m. so I wouldn't forget that I needed to do this. And then I forgot that the alarm was set until 9 a.m. this morning when I was preaching in the first service. And so all of a sudden I heard this alarm go off and usually I'm looking around going, who is it? Who is it? Is it you, you know? But all of a sudden I'm like, is it I, Lord? Like my back pocket was ringing. So I just kind of, you know, squeezed the little button to kind of hopefully shut it off, but all it did was snooze it. So nine minutes later, I'm still preaching, and all of a sudden I'm like, this is crazy. And I look and I was like, oh yeah, I set that alarm. I'm the sinner in this moment, right? It's my alarm going off. Right at this point in the sermon, when I had just said to people, if you see certain people, if you see like certain things in your life, that may be a- an alarm to tell you that something isn't right. And the lady sitting right there goes, It's the Holy Spirit. And I told her to let me do the preaching, right? (laughs) But if you see things in your life, like why do I get so frustrated? And why am I so discouraged? And why am I wrestling with so much fear? If I have these moments where I start to be grumpy, well that one moment when I was grumpy that one time, or like when you have those times when you're fearful, or you feel really tempted, or you seem especially confused, those may be moments when you go, maybe something is out of alignment in my life. And God, what I need you to do, Holy Spirit, by your word, is help to recalibrate me so that I can hear from you The Holy Spirit will lead us by his word. Oftentimes, too, I think the Holy Spirit leads us by his direction. We're going to see this a little bit more as we go through this story. But recognize this. There are times when the Holy Spirit will guide and direct your life so that you will be in the right place at just the right time. Have you ever had those moments when nothing goes the way you planned? Anybody? Anybody? And you're like, I've got this tight schedule and I gotta be here, 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 and here. And nothing goes the way you planned, but when you get to the end of the day, you realize that God's plan was better than yours and that the spirit was directing you because it was that moment where you had that conversation with someone and you know God used you to speak life to them. Or God put you in that place where you received a blessing that you would not have received if you hadn't been there. And we have to trust, God, give me eyes to see that you're leading me. And sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us by his voice. That we learn to hear the Spirit speak to us. Look, I have never individually, like, audibly heard the voice of God. Like, I can't tell you if he sounds like James Earl Jones or not. I don't know. (laughs) But what I do know is there are times when I know the Holy Spirit has spoken to me Without a doubt, you call it something I sensed in my gut or peace that came from God or a confirmation that came from him. But there's these times when I know that I have heard the Spirit's voice. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right, there's these times. What I have to do is make sure I tune in. K-U-O-W is the public radio station in Seattle. And they recently had to put out a notice to people and apologize because for some unknown reason, if you drive a Mazda, that was manufactured in 2016, right now in the Seattle area, the only thing your radio will tune to is that station. You've got NPR and nothing else. You can't change the dial. You can't hook up the Bluetooth on your phone. You can't, if you got an old car with a CD player, you can't put a CD in it. The only thing that, that radio will play is that NPR station and they have no idea why. Like Mazda's bringing people in. They're trying to figure it out. The radio station is apologizing and saying, we are not behind this. Like, it's not us. It's this weird, freaky thing that they're trying to figure out why it's happening. And I read that and I thought to myself, God, I wish you were the only radio station I heard. (laughs) Because I'm quick to tune into all kinds of other things. Voices from the culture, voices from the media. Does anybody else have voices in your head or is it just me? (laughs) And there's times when I go, Holy Spirit, I just want to hear your voice. And you might go, "Chad, we talked about this just a couple weeks ago, didn't we, about the importance of God's word and the importance of hearing the spirit's voice? Why are you repeating it?" I'm repeating it because if you're in this room or you're listening to this sermon, you you probably fall into one of three categories. You probably fall into one category where when I say it's important to hear the spirit's voice, you say, "Yes, I know that." Or number 2, you might be in the category that says, "Yep, I should do that." <laughs> Or you might be category number three that says, nope, I didn't know that, but I'm gonna start looking for him. I'm gonna start listening for the spirit to work in my life, which is why our verse for the week, the, the, we're, we're trying to memorize a verse throughout this whole series. Our verse for the week this week is Ephesians chapter one, verse 17. It's kind of a throwback to where we were last week, but I'd love for you to take Paul's prayer for the church he loves in Ephesus and make it your prayer for yourself that I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, The glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I'll I'll give you permission to even tweak that and pray that and memorize it for yourself where your prayer actually is that the glorious Father would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, so that I may know you better and hear your voice. And that that becomes our prayer, which leads us to step six and we, we gotta run here. Step number six is this, don't dismiss divine appointments. That you don't dismiss divine appointments. Because if you're gonna keep putting your trust in Jesus, and then you're gonna obey the voice of the Spirit, you're gonna be led by the Spirit, then God's gonna bring to you these divine appointments. He's gonna give you these moments where you're gonna come face to face with the fact that He puts you in the right place at the right time. Acts chapter 8, verse 30, we read this about Philip. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Watch how Philip just kinda inserts himself into this story. Do you understand what you're reading? (laughs) Because when Philip comes up there, he could've just, I I have what's called the spiritual gift of eavesdropping. Anybody else? (laughs) Like he could've just stood there and listened. But he knew there was something more that was going on. Like God had put him in that place to do something. It, It was a divine appointment in that moment. And so Philip inserts himself into it and he says, "Hey, hey, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? The Ethiopian goes, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And Philip said, it's your lucky day. No, that's not there, but, but right? So he invited Philip, imagine this, remember what a big deal this dude was? So he invited Philip, random guy on the desert road, to come up and sit with him. Why? Because God had put Philip in the right place at the right time, and I believe he can do the same for you if you have eyes to see what God wants you to see, he'll put you in just the right place at the right time. You're gonna be walking through the atrium as you leave today, and you're gonna have a conversation with somebody, and you're gonna have this little stirring in your heart that they need to hear you speak a word of encouragement and faith to them. Why? Because it's a divine appointment. You're gonna be in the grocery store, and you're gonna bump into somebody you don't know, and God might stir something in your heart for some way for you to serve or to help them, to speak life to them, Why? Because he puts you in the right place at the right time. It's gonna happen with a family member. It's gonna happen in some way. And there are these moments that you need to see this. Look, divine appointments are not coincidental. Divine appointments are providential. Now look, don't start thinking that everything is a divine appointment. Like you gotta use wisdom. When you're walking out of the grocery store after you serve somebody and you see that lottery kiosk, do you know the one I'm talking about? You shouldn't, but you know the one I'm talking about? You can't walk up to it and go, it's a divine appointment. I got to play, right? That's not how it works, right? Don't just think everything is. When you get that email that says somebody wants to give you a million dollars, that's not a divine appointment. That's a scam. Can I get an amen? Right? When you meet that special someone and you just know that that's a divine appointment and everybody else tells you the devil sent them, listen with wisdom, Are you with me? Like, don't blame divine appointments on your own desires. But also, don't be quick to dismiss divine appointments, because we can be quick to go. How how quick would it have been for Philip to have just gone, well, what a coincidence. I know the book of Isaiah, and keep on walking. (laughs) I've just learned in my life that these divine appointments are not coincidental, that they are providential. And when they happen, I would rather give God credit and be wrong then think it's not God and miss what he wants to do. Does that make sense? So that's that. We, we could part there for a while, but let's, uh, let's keep running. Step seven, always remember the good news about Jesus. When you come to these moments, don't forget what Jesus has done. You, you wanna talk about a divine appointment. Philip rolls up to this chariot. This dude's reading the book of Isaiah, which if you don't know is a big book. And when he opens it, watch what happens. This is the passage, Acts chapter 8, verse 32. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? for his life was taken from the earth. You, you know what that is, don't you? Like that's a prophecy. And this is part of why we're gonna share in communion in just a few minutes. It's a prophecy of what Jesus came and did for us. He's, he's reading what Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And here's this guy who's curious about God, who's curious about faith, and God brings Philip alongside of him and he opens the book of Isaiah and Philip just happens to show up at the moment. He's reading a prophecy about how Jesus died for us. Coincidence? I think not. Watch this. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip said, it's your lucky day. (laughs) And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture. Told him the good news about Jesus. God is gonna send people your way. Uh, Correct that. God has sent people your way people who need to know and hear about the good news of Jesus. And you've known it, you've experienced it. And he doesn't want you to sit on it. He wants you to share it. He wants you to tell it. Look, if if you've not learned anything these last two years, people are looking for good news that can only be found in Jesus. And you have it to give. He wants to share it with you and you can be quick to go, well, this guy's from Ethiopia, what would he care about a Jewish religion? And he's a big deal, he's more important than me. And and I'm not sure I could speak this, I'm just a guy from the church, Philip could have said. And Philip, you've gotta see, that guy was more ready than he could have ever realized to hear the good news and how Jesus can change your life. And God wants to use you. So watch the journey we've been on, right? Philip's just a guy in a church. He puts his trust in Jesus. And then when hard times come, he keeps putting his trust in Jesus. He obeys the, the, the work that God's doing, the spirit works through his life, and then he continues to keep putting his trust in Jesus. And then the spirit leads him and he obeys the spirit and he has these divine appointments and God's at work in his life. What happens next is the Ethiopian who now believes in Jesus sees water as they're traveling along and he says, hey, there's water. What's keeping me from being baptized? You know what Philip said to him? It's your lucky day, right? (laughs) They get out of the chariot, they go over. Philip baptizes the guy and then we get step eight. Are you ready for it? It's gonna be a brand new thought. Step number eight. Don't stop continuing to keep putting your faith in Jesus because life is going to bring you more curveballs, <laughs> and there's going to be more things and there's going to be more divine appointments and there's going to be more moments. There's going to be more tough times. There's going to be more things when, when you go desert road, really? But when those moments come, don't stop continuing to keep putting your faith in Jesus. Acts chapter eight, verse 39 is cool story. When, when Philip and the Ethiopian came up, I wish they'd given us his name. I feel weird just calling him that every time, but you know what I mean. We sh- we'll have to name him for the next service. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. What? And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Isn't that wild? Like they go up out of the water, and all of a sudden, they come back out of the water, and Philip's just whoosh, gone. Was it aliens? No, we don't know what it was. Theologians, you know, they they argue about things. The bottom line is the Old Testament, the biblical concept is that he was carried away. Anybody ever seen Star Trek? That's your beam me up Scotty right there, isn't it? And he's just gone. And that Ethiopian, he was so impacted. He just rejoiced because of what God had done. Watch the last verse here though, verse 40. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Could you imagine being Philip? One minute you're baptizing some dude, next minute you're standing in a different town. That's weird. And everybody wants to know why you're wet, right? (laughs) Because sometimes God's gonna do things that you don't expect. And it's really this simple. God says, I wanna use you. And you and I are quick to go, well, how can you? I'm just some person from the church, and God says, that's exactly who I wanna use. It is really this simple. When you allow God to place you in the right place at the right time, he will use you for his glory and for your blessing. You, you just need to, don't stop continuing to keep putting your faith in Jesus, which is why we pray, God, when those moments come, Holy Spirit, give me eyes for expansion so that I can see what you want to do. About a week ago, I said to Rhonda, hey, you know we're, we're out of this, right? And she goes, yeah, we, we ran out. She says, I'm going to the store, I'll pick some more up. I'm like, hey, that's cool, that's great. And so last night, just last night, I said to her, ah, I, says, I, was, I was gonna use some of this in the morning and I think we're, we're out of it. And she goes, we're not out of it, I bought some. Oh, you did, where is it? And she literally said, it's, it's right in front of you you've seen it all week. <laughs> I bought it on Monday. <laughs> and it's been right, that like you've seen it at least once a day, every day this week. And I said, well, you got it, you got to tell me these things. And she basically said, and you have to open your eyes, right? She's like, it, it was right there. I don't like the way some of you wives are looking at your husbands in this very moment. I don't like it, it's not holy, it is not holy. Next week, Ephesians chapter six, it is not holy. Five, Ephesians five. And I, and, I, and I said to her, well, well, I've been really busy. And she just kind of rolled her eyes. So then I played the trump card. I'm just a guy. Didn't work. You know why? Because it was right there the whole time. I just had to open my eyes to see it. God wants to use you. His spirit is leading you. And so we pray, God, give me eyes to see what you want to do. It starts with surrendering to realizing who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. So that's why we come to the Lord's table today. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves." So in this room, Auditorium 2, listening to this or watching this on a screen somewhere, can I invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? And can we do what Paul encourages us to do? And let's just examine ourselves. Because for some of us, we're coming to the Lord's table and we need to ask him to help us make some things right in our lives there's a place where you need to ask for forgiveness. Or this is a moment where you need to say, God, I need your help with this. Might even be a moment where you've been wrestling in your life with with what role Jesus even plays. And you've you've kept trying to do it on your own over and over again and trying to make it right by yourself. And you're realizing today that on your own, you can't fix things. You, You can't make your life right. And what you need more than anything is that salvation, that forgiveness, that hope that only Jesus can bring. And that today, before we come to the Lord's table, you just simply need to say, Jesus, I give you my life. No better time than right now. Jesus, I give you my life. And maybe for some of us, this is a moment where as we reflect on Christ's sacrifice, we do well to remember that he's speaking to our hearts too. That he's asking us to take a step of faith. That he's gonna put us in the right place at the right time. And for us to say, I may just be somebody from the church, but God, will you use me? God, will you use my life to do things that I could never expect to see happen without you? And it could be that you're in a tough season right now, It could be that you feel like God has dropped you out on a desert road somewhere. It could be that you don't even know what's going on around you. But before you talk yourself out of faith in Jesus, before you push yourself away from his grace or his plan or the voice of the Spirit in your life, as we come to the Lord's table, it's a moment for you to say, God, I don't want to stop continuing to keep putting my faith in you. And so I put my trust in you today. However the Spirit's speaking to you, bring that to his table in this moment. Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I'd invite you here with us in Auditorium 1 and 2 to kind of peel back that first layer and as you hold the bread in your hand let's thank him. God thanks for your love. That even while we were still sinners you demonstrated that love through the death of your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thanks for your grace. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you loved us so much that you, you've pulled us into your family to be your daughters and your sons. And Lord, we thank you for your love and the gift of salvation you gave to us through the cross. As we share in this bread together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's share in the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And Father, we thank you for the cup cup that represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ Lord sometimes we talk ourselves out of being used by you because we say that what we've done is just way too bad but because of the blood of Jesus there's forgiveness and sometimes we say that God you could never use us because of our past or because of our weaknesses And yet we know there's healing because of the blood of Jesus. Some of us think there's just no hope or purpose for our lives, but Jesus, because you shed your blood, we know that our lives have purpose and meaning. So as we share in this cup today, we not only do it with a thankful heart for what you've done in the past, but we do it with an expectation Knowing that because of the power of the blood of Jesus, there's incredible hope for how you're going to use us and our family and our church in the future. And so we remember this as we share in the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's share in the cup together. Stand with me if you would, please. And uh, we're going to wrap up by singing a song together that simply says, God, I wanna be used by you. Give me eyes to see I build my life on you. Father, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for a reminder that you have great purpose for each and every one of our lives. Lord, would you use us? Lord, would you open our eyes to see how you want to work through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those who sing holy, holy.
0: ladies don't forget ladies night out this friday when you go out to toledocalvary.org and go to our events page you can find out even more go in a special favor and wonderful peace we'll
1: see you next week thanks for being here